Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Take your Bible and turn with me this Sunday morning to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 7. I'd like to speak to you for just a moment on this subject, on the road home. There is a way back from a hurt. There is a way back from recovery. There's a way home, a place of help, a place of healing, a place of restoration. I have written in my Bible several years ago three words about this chapter. Repent, return, and revival. They're all packed in there together. But I want to begin reading in Joshua chapter number 1. It says in the chapter, But the children of Israel committed a trespass. What's another word for trespass? Sin. They committed a sin uh, in the accursed thing for Achan. It says the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-haven on the east and the side of Bethel, and spake unto them saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. They returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people labor thither, for they are but a few. Now why are they feeling so strong? Why are they feeling, don't send the whole army of Israel to Ai? It's because they just defeated the massive army of Jericho and the big wall city. And I, the walls were so thick on that, uh, the walls of Jericho, that you can drive a chariot and a team of horses around the top of the walls. So they were very thick. People lived in the walls. Uh, we have the story, the account of Rahab the harlot. She lived in one of the apartments inside the wall. So this is a massive defensive structure, and it's fallen down. The children of Israel won this big battle. So now he said, don't send the whole army. Just send two or 3,000. We'll defeat them. So they went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. They got scared. They ran. And the men of Ai smote them, about 30 and 6 men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Not only did they get defeated, but 36 of the men were killed at Ai, and they were not only humiliated and defeated, but then there was death upon innocent people. And Joshua, verse 6, were in his clothes, fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, and he and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us unto the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Question mark. Would to God we had been content 
and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? Now what happened is they were crossed the Jordan River. The place they crossed there is called Beth Abara. And they had crossed out of the wilderness, come up to Beth Abara. They crossed the Jordan River. They went up and defeated the enemy in the city of Jericho. Now they've won this big battle. They think they've got it made. Sist in two or three thousand to Ai. We'll win there and we'll be on the way to taking the promised land for the children of Israel. But what happened was they had a sin problem in the camp. Joshua didn't know about it. And a lot of times when someone makes a mistake, when someone sins, they may be the only person that knows about it. No, someone else may not know. But it does not mean that it will not have an effect on other people. And believe it or not, 36 innocent people died because of the sin of Achan. Now, what God wants you to see out of this chapter is that you can recover from failure. You can recover from making a mistake. Sometimes we battle things in our lives. Sometimes people battle emotional struggles, sometimes financial struggles. Sometimes they battle with addictions. There's a, a number of things, broken relationships. You can be devastated by someone betraying you or someone twisting your words. That's what times breaks up a marriage is that we get a hard feeling and then it continues to grow and the devil makes sure it gets watered and fertilized until the marriage is ripped apart. And what God's saying is, you can get on that road home. You can get on the road to repair. You can get on the road to restoration. And you can heal the hurt, and you can heal the betrayal of a family or of a friend. There can be recovery after a failure. And that's what God wants you to have out of this chapter. Uh, in the book of Hero Heroic Failures, there's an article in there about the fire department of England going on strike in 1978. And in 1978, they had a union controversy in Great Britain, and all the firemen walked out, and there was no one to defend the cities or the buildings. And so what happened was that the uh, government activated the military, and the military went and manned all the fire stations, okay? to take care of the buildings and the homes of all the residents there in England. And one of the stories that was covered there is that one afternoon they got a phone call at one of the fire stations and a lady was crying and she was saying that her cat was stuck up in a tree. And so uh, the guys, the uh, replacement firefighters, they loaded up on the fire truck and they drove to the house and they went there, and sure enough, there's the cat. They grab a ladder. They rescue the cat. They come down. Big celebration. Everybody's happy. The homeowner's got the cat. She says, thank you, guys. Why don't you come in and let me fix you a, a spot of tea? And so they did. They went inside. They sat down, as good firefighters would, and uh, have nourishment and refreshment. And they were all so happy. And then they said, it's time for us to go. And they got back in the truck and backed over the cat and killed it. <laughs> Karen, you're not supposed to laugh. This is serious. 
what the Bible is teaching us is you can have a success and then have a failure. And, and what happened here is Joshua, he, he sort of killed the cat. He, he had this great success and then there was sin, secret sin in the camp and then they had this mighty failure. But it wasn't a cat, it was 36 innocent men that lost their lives because of that. And so what God is putting in his word is yes, you can have a mistake and you can have a great success and you might make a mistake. Again, but God's there to restore you and to help you. Think about the power of that testimony of 25 years attempting to go 18 months without a substance abuse. You think about that. 25 years of trying. Get to 9 months, get to 10 months, get to 12 months. But what happens is you get to that point and, and you think, I, I just, I, I've got it made and here it is. And then when you get there, then the rug's pulled out from under you. I don't know if you read the article. They made a movie out of it, and, uh, but it was about this European tightrope walker. And uh, Papa Rudy was his trainer, and when the uh, tent was empty, the big top, he would go in and he would practice walking that tightrope. And they said that one day when the big top was empty that he was up there Philip was on the wire and he was working and he was walking and he was about three steps away from the platform and then he just started to go forward and then he, he lost his balance. He dropped his balance pole. He grabbed the wire, saving his life. He's hanging there and he hands over and he's exhausted and he comes down and his mentor's on the ground. And he said, do you know when you die on the high wire? And he said, when? He said, you die on the high wire when you think you've arrived. You've got it made. He said, you were three steps away. You weren't there yet, but you thought you were. Because see it, you're that close. And that's what happens. We, we're never there. We've always got to have the love and support of the Lord balancing our lives. We're not, we can't do it on our own. We've got to be balanced by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter if you're battling someone who has destroyed you with their cruel words. They've devastated you. They betrayed your marriage. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with a repeating addiction. You think, I've done, I'm through. I'll never battle this again. But then it, there it is to struggle against, to battle again. And, and what I'm telling you is you're never going to reach that point and say, I've arrived. If you're going to survive this and serve the Lord, you're, every day you've got to have Him as a very present help in the time of need, in the time of struggle. You've got to have that love and support there. And so Dr. Philip Green wrote a beautiful account of this. He said, perhaps you failed last year and you're hoping to recover this year. So how do you do that? How do you come back from defeat? How do you come back? Joshua had the great victory at Jericho, then he had the great defeat there at Ai. And so how do you come back from that? Well, one thing is that you have to recover from a broken relationship or, or a betrayal or a habit or a hurt. All of that's got to have healing and it's got to have restoration. There's three things in this chapter and if we had time, we could take them apart. But let me give you the outline and you and your personal study can continue to complete the thought. Number one 
if I'm going to get better, if I'm going to heal from a hurt, a disappointment, or if I'm going to uh, be victorious over a hang-up or a habit, I've got to do, number one, cry out. You've got to acknowledge you need help. And that's step number one, is to cry out to the Lord. Look what Joshua did in verse number seven, I believe it is, verse six. And Joshua rent his clothes, he fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord, even unto the eventide, and he and the elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And what did he do in verse seven? Alas, O Lord God, he cried out to the Lord. He said, God, I've done all I know to do, and I don't know what went wrong, but we've got a problem, and how do we fix it? And then God goes on the rest of the chapter, and he begins to tell him there's secret sin. Someone has taken, and God called it the accursed thing. He dealt with it. But there was that crying out. And when you're crying out, it's sort of like you're... You're just admitting, God, I need you. God, that hurt me. God, that took my breath. God, I don't think I can go on. God, I don't think I can get through the night. God, I'm battling anxiety. Whatever it is, you just pour it out to the Lord. I remember uh, a year ago, this time of the year, uh, I was trying to be strong for the family. I was trying to be strong for the children, the grandchildren, and for the church family. And sometimes the uh, most overwhelming emotional moments would be when I was by myself and I would go out to the yard and I'd begin to work in the vegetable boxes and, and begin to work in the flowers. And it seemed like that you could just tell the Lord, it hurts. Whew. And just let it out. And you remember I did a little thing about a broken tomato plant, remember? I found part of a broken tomato plant at the greenhouse. I brought it home and I put it in some sand and, and water and let it grow another root ball and then I took it outside. And I remember the day I planted that and it ended up being the best tomato in the garden and it ended up having the best fruit. But it was all, it was in the floor. People were stepping on it. It was broken. But I remember when I planted that in that little vegetable box, I remember this day that there was, an, there was some supplemental irrigation to that little plant because I remember the tears falling around that plant as I worked. And you know what? Sometimes God allows us to get into places and we'll cry out to Him. And in that moment of desperation, I need you, Lord, I need your help. He will use those tears to start the recovery, to start the healing. It will actually be the growth factor, the nourishment that's needed to get you through that relationship, to get you through that time of recovery, to get you to that next benchmark. We're not perfect, but we do have to have the Lord, and we've got to cry out to Him, and we've got to have each other. We've got to have that moment of healing. The second thing that happens here is he said to consecrate yourself. If you go on in this chapter, he said in verse 13, he said, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves again tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou cannot stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing. Listen to what God said. God Think of the wisdom 
and the sovereignty of his word. He never defined the sin. Did God know what was under Achan's house, under his tent? Did he know what was, silver was there? Did he know gold was there? Did he know that beautiful piece of fabric was there? Did, did God know all that? Well, sure God did. But God didn't name it when he talked to Joshua. He called it the accursed thing. The accursed thing. And what God's saying is, he knew we'd all be here and every one of us would have an accursed thing. Everybody has got something that we need to put at the feet of the Lord and say, here it is, Lord. I'm not going to carry that around anymore. It may be a jealousy. It may be a hurt feeling. It may be a grudge. It may be somebody lied on you. Maybe someone stole from you. It, it may be that you're going through a chemical addiction. It doesn't matter what the accursed thing is. God just said, give it to me. Let me handle it. Let me take care of that. And let me get it out of the way. That's what he's dealing with here. He said, you cry out to me, you call to me, and then you consecrate yourself. What God's saying is, I don't want part of your time. I want all of your time. I don't want part of your life. I want all of your life. I don't want part of your money. It's my money. I gave it to you. I'm telling you, consecrate yourself. Get in this thing. Serve the Lord together. And bind your heart to that place of being what we can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. That we'll consecrate ourselves. Loving the Lord. Loving each other. You want to see Christ Jesus? You see somebody saying, you're welcome. I love you. You come in. That's the spirit of Christ. Christ invites everybody, whosoever will may come. What did you just talk about Mephibosheth? What if the king had said, well, I only have certain friends that can come to my table. I only have certain people that can come to this event. I only have certain people that can come to this festival. I only have certain people that can come to my homecoming dinner. That's not what Christ did. That's not what God did. That's not what grace does. That's not what mercy does. Mercy says, come on. Grace says, come on. And that's what we're doing. We're saying to a sin-sick world, you come on. Well, I can't help you, but I can introduce you to the one who can help you. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got the power and he's got the authority. And not only do we cry before the Lord, not only do we consecrate ourselves, but then he said, you confess. And that's what God was working on. God was getting Joshua to understand. Bring the people by, tribe by tribe, and let them come by and let them confess. And when you get this thing confessed, then when they got to Achan, then the confession came out. And you know what his name means? His name means troubler. That's what his name means. He lost his life. 36 men had died, innocent men. And so under the law, the stern law of that day, he was judicated and they stoned him to death. The Bible said there was a pile of stones there in his family. Innocent people died that day because of the sin. And what God's saying is, you know what he said to this day, it'll be called the Valley of Achor. You know what that word Achor means? Trouble. The troubler is buried in the valley of trouble. And if you don't get it settled, you'll live and you'll die in the valley of trouble. There'll be no way out. 
You can't get out on your own. You can't hire a tour agency to get you out of the valley of trouble. You've got to have supernatural help from another world. That's the only way you're going to get out. I read the story that Stuart Moffat wrote about Easter a few years back. And he took his children, his wife and three kids. They lived in England. And they went to Halford for an Easter egg hunt on the Saturday before Easter. And the kids, the parents went out and they hid all the eggs. And then after they'd come back in, they were, the parents had gathered and they were counting all the eggs to make sure that none had been left out in the field and that all the eggs were accounted for. And as they were counting them, Stuart Moffat looked and he saw one of the little three-year-old boys uh, was over by the hedgerow uh, towards the road. And Stuart thought, I don't remember putting an egg over there. You know, uh, I, I, I don't remember going that close to the road, number one. And that little guy was standing there and so Stuart started walking to him. And, and when he got over there to him, Kathy, uh, he saw that that little boy had both feet up on that egg. And he was doing like this. He was sort of surprised that he couldn't crush it. You know, that little three-year-old, he was standing there and he was just doing bouncing. And as Stuart got closer, he looked and saw it was an odd shape and a texture. And then he grabbed that little boy and jerked him away. He was standing on a hand grenade from World War II. He had found it in the hedgerow during the egg hunt. And that little guy was on top of that, bouncing. He yelled it and got all the kids back. They called for the police, and the police came, and they called the bomb disposal unit, and they came. And in a controlled environment, in a controlled explosion, where the shrapnel could not hit anyone or hurt anyone or do any more damage, they exploded it. And I'm going to help you with something. Do you know what we have that did that job? That was a bomb disposal unit. And every Thursday night right here at Trinity, we have a bomb disposal unit that meets right here every Thursday night. And they get the hand grenades before they go off. And before the shrapnel tears up another marriage or before it ruins another life or before it gets another teenager, they control it. Every Wednesday night, we have a bomb disposal unit. Every Sunday morning and every Sunday night, the bomb disposal unit's right here for those that are hurting and got a hang up and they're trying to get help. And what they do is they take that grenade that can go off in a life and destroy it and say, let's give it to Jesus because He's the one that can take it. He's the one that can take that life and make a change. And that's what we do. And how do you do that? How do you handle That's the same way you handle sin. You get away from it just as fast as you can. And you get some help. And then you destroy it before it explodes. And that's what they did there in England. ABC carried the story in 2012 about the little boy that found the hand grenade. A live, functional hand grenade on an Easter egg hunt. And you know what? God's got a church right here that every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every Thursday night. Do you realize the sacrifice of some of these volunteers? They're here at church three nights a week. Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. They come to church three nights a week because they love people. They love the Lord. And they want to see God change some lives. 
and that's what we can do together. Let's bow our heads and pray, shall we? Let's ask the Lord to help us this Sunday morning. Heavenly Father, as we come back into your presence, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for how you've helped us here today. The blessing of your word, the blessing of these testimonies, the blessing that we have to know that there is help. There is restoration. We can be new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things can pass away. All things can become new. Now I pray today, God, you would do for us in our midst a work that will last for all eternity. I pray today you would help us, touch us. Lord, if there's one listening to the sound of my voice and they've sort of given up, I pray this will be the day they find out that there's help available. If there's one today that's not saved, this will be the day they trust you and ask for forgiveness of sin. If there's one today, Lord, that's wandered away and gotten careless, I pray this is the day they'll come home. And Lord, if there's someone here today burdened for a son, a daughter, a mom, or a dad that needs help in their hurt or in their hang-up, I pray this will be the day that we're bold in our prayer life that we'll pray for them. Let's stand together quietly. We're going to sing one verse of an invitational hymn. If you're burdened over someone, you lead the way. You come and pray for them. You bring your petition to the Lord. If you've got a battle, a struggle, you come. The pastors are already here. They're standing by to help you as we sing together. Just keep coming. Burdened over your best friends. Burdened over your child. You're praying for someone's marriage is in trouble. You just keep coming. Get some prayer help. You're having a struggle in your own life. A fear. Bring it to the Lord. Can't kneel, you come and sit on one of these front chairs. Just keep coming. This service is just for you. Keep minding God. He's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When we Pastor Allen's going to come and he's going to close our service in prayer. Thank you for being so attentive. Thank you for praying today. Make sure you thank these volunteers. Let's pray one for another. You don't want to miss 5 o'clock. 
We've got special guests coming to town. They'll be here for the five o'clock service. All right. Okay. Our Father, today we do thank you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you for this great day we celebrate recovery, the uh, knowing what this ministry does for each and every one of us here in the church family. Lord, we pray that you would continue to give strength and encouragement to this group of individuals who are here every Thursday night loving on people. And Father, as Pastor's message was that we can help them and Lord, we need to cry out, consecrate, and also that uh, we confess. And Lord, we thank you for this day that we have to cry out to you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. You said you never leave us nor forsake us, and you would be with us. And dear Lord, we do thank you for this great day here at Trinity. It started at 8.15 this morning and carried over. Lord, we just thank you for loving us. Now we pray that you give us a good afternoon. Bring us back here this evening when the kingdom heirs will be here. And Lord, we just thank you in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation but it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian church. That's God, that's personal, that's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed, that couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation you can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror, the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how's that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me, and I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together.
and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you, and I ask you to pray for me.